0: Good afternoon. You're listening to K-Tahoe, the new 96.1 and AM 590. It's time for The Bright Side with Alexis Robin. Good afternoon, everybody. We are on to week two of our Gifts of Imperfection, going through Brene Brown's great work on letting go of who you think you're supposed to be and embracing who you are. And uh, this week's guidepost is cultivating self-compassion letting go of perfectionism (laughs) so everybody has that kind of knowing giggle when we talk about perfectionism because it is something that plagues us um some of us more than others um but definitely on a continuum and um and this whole idea of self-compassion and letting go of perfectionism, it's really intertwined. And so um, so I want to take you through today kind of what is perfectionism and why is it a problem? And then talk to you about what healthy striving looks like in lieu of perfectionism and then how to develop a practice of self-compassion. Uh, and what you can start practicing and noticing yourself as we uh, as you move forward through these guideposts and trying to build a, a more authentic you and a more resilient, wholehearted you. So okay. So uh, from Brene Brown's book, if you've not heard of her, she is a uh, she is a social worker. She has a PhD and she's an author and a speaker. And she's got a couple of TED talks. So you can check those out on YouTube uh, or on TED. Uh, it's Brene Brown and the book we're working from the gifts of imperfection this, uh, this week, her definition of perfectionism, or let's just, let's talk a little bit about before I give you the full definition, but want to point out, it is not the same thing as self-striving. So a lot of people, a lot of my clients, especially are very proud of their perfectionist tendencies. Well, of course I'm a perfectionist. I want everything to be right. I want everything to be perfect. Um, but it's, the thing with perfectionism is at its core, it's not about trying to do your best. It's really about trying to earn approval and acceptance mm-hmm. from others. So it's this hustle to get others approval for you being perfect. And most perfectionists were actually raised being praised for achievement and performance. So think about things like grades, manners, rule following, people, pleasing appearance or sports. Ooh, Jimmy, you made the football team. You're so great. Or, Oh, you know, Celeste, you got straight A's. That's amazing. You're so smart. You know, so it's, we kind of give these unintended messages to kids as they're growing up that if you do well, if you are perfect, then you will be loved, then you will be accepted, then you will be worthy. Well, somewhere along the way, what happens is that people start to adopt this belief system that I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. So we start to tie ourselves directly to the work we put out. And you'll hear people who will say, you know, oh, I let my work speak for itself. Like, I don't. You know, it doesn't matter who I am. My work speaks for who I am. And that's like, if you're saying that, or you've heard yourself say that before, or one of your kids say that, that's something to tune into because there's some perfectionism beliefs going on there that are going to play out in some different ways later on. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of perfectionism is other focused. What will people think? Whereas healthy striving or striving for excellence, as my friend Jill says, is really about self focused work. How can I improve for me? How can I do better for me? Right? So we're not talking about... When I talk about letting go of perfectionism, I I am not talking about, you know, becoming mediocre, being good enough, just allowing yourself to kind of like cruise through... What I'm saying is if you want to improve, do it for you, not for the approval and love of others. Yeah. Right. That's the differentiation. So the, um, the long definition that uh, Brene Brown has put in her book here is that perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect, live perfectly, and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. Yeah, that pretty much nails it. Right? So <laughs> so it's this idea that if I look perfect, if my house looks perfect, if I live perfectly, if I'm doing all the things that magazines and society say I should be doing, then, you know, I can avoid feeling these negative feelings around shame, judgment, or blame. So she goes on to say, perfectionism is self-destructive simply because there's no such thing as Perfect. Perfectionism is an unattainable goal. Additionally, perfectionism is more about perception. We want to be perceived as perfect. Again, this is unattainable. There's no way to control perception, regardless of how much time and energy we spend trying. All right. So she goes on to talk about perfectionism as addictive. And this is actually really interesting because when we invariably, when we do experience shame, judgment, and blame, we often believe it's because we weren't perfect enough. Right. So somebody um, blames us for something or is mad at us for something or judges us. And then we think, oh, well, if I was just perfect, that would have been fine. Right. And it's like, no. OK, so then rather than questioning the faulty logic of perfectionism, we become even more entrenched in our quest to live and look and do everything just right. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Sounding yeah. familiar? I just think of a time in my life where I felt the shame and the judgment It you know, was one piece of my life. And that was also the time that I would stay up until I don't know what hour of the night, making sure my home was perfect. Should anyone come by or see? Mm-hmm. that? And that was also the time I was marathon running. Mm-hmm. It was all, you know, and so it was, it was to avoid that or to prove the opposite of what I believed people were thinking. Right. And it is, it's perfectionism is about the hustle for self for approval from others. I mean, that is the reality. And, um, you know, you can talk to me all day long and tell me how perfectionism is awesome and good. And your, your work is just perfect and you're going to keep striving for that. But I will tell you, and Brene will tell you that it is the hustle for others approval. Well, I think it's also paralyzing on two fronts on the front where you're killing yourself to put an appearance of perfection out there right. for people that may not even care or believe or it doesn't matter anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the flip side of that is when you stop doing things because you realize you can't do them perfectly. Right. Either you've run out of energy or whatever has happened, and so then you do nothing. Yeah, and there's actually... um what does she call that? Oh, I'll find it and, and mention it, but there's this, it's kind of like this life, this, uh, I think she calls it like a life um, miss or something. It, that's not the, I'm not quoting it correctly, but but basically like all the things that you miss out on in life because you don't even try them, yep. like all the lost opportunities, right? I'm just going to call that a life fail, but, <laughs> but that's my words, not her. So... Um, So finally, the the final piece of this um, definition of perfectionism is the idea of feeling shamed, judged, and blamed, and the fear of those feelings are the realities of the human experience. Perfectionism actually increases the odds that we'll experience these painful emotions and often leads to self-blame. It's my fault. I'm feeling this way because I'm not good enough. Right. So, um, so thanks for sharing that story because I think we've all been there at some point. I mean, I certainly, when I'm trying, when things are kind of out of order in my life, I definitely do the whole house thing. Like, Oh, I'm going to make this perfect. So Mm -hmm. nobody knows, or, you know, I want my pictures on Facebook to be perfect perfect because God forbid, you know, that my family is like,
1: like yells at each other. Whatever like, family,
0: yeah. You know, my kids get in trouble sometimes and my husband and I fight sometimes like we're human, right? We're all experiencing these things. So, um, so in order to overcome perfectionism, we really want to be able to acknowledge our vulnerabilities to the universal experiences of shame, judgment, and blame, which is what I was just talking about. We are all going through this. We're all having these experiences, yep. you know, this is common humanity here. And We need to develop some shame resilience and practice compassion. Self-compassion is important. And then embrace our imperfections with grace, right? There are things that we're not perfect at. So when you think about um, what you need to do for self-compassion, this can be kind of a sticky thing for people you know, self-compassion. Oh, what? I should be nice to myself. I should, I should treat myself well. Um, well there's three pieces of this, according to the, uh, the work of Dr. Christian, Kristen Neff. She's a researcher out of Austin and, um, uh, she runs the self-compassion research lab, the oh, okay. university of Texas at Austin. So, um, she says that there's three elements of self-compassion. One is self-kindness. So this is, and think about the way you speak to yourself. I often, I said to one of my clients years ago, I remember I was living in San Francisco at the time and she was saying some things about herself and I said, would, what you're saying to yourself, would you say that to your daughter? And it stopped her in her tracks because there's no way she would ever speak to anyone she loved or the way she was speaking to herself. And it was like, okay, this is the new rule. If you wouldn't say it to your best friend or your daughter or your son or your husband, then you shouldn't be saying it to yourself, right? So self, being self-kind, this idea of common humanity, which we just touched on, like we're all going through it. Everybody's having some kind of issue around not being perfect enough, not being you know, organized enough and put together enough or what have you. And then um, finally, mindfulness. And so, um, so think about self-kindness as being warm and understanding towards ourselves when we suffer or fail. And, um, rather than ignoring pain or trying to, um, to just beat yourself up, just work on being kind to yourself Mm -hmm. when you fail. And then common humanity, recognizing that, you know, everybody's suffering from these feelings of inadequacy and at some level, and we're all part of this human experience. Like we're not in it alone. It's not just you. We are all experiencing it on some level that for me has been probably the most powerful thing I've gotten from coaching other people is realizing like having a front seat to the common humanity of issues. People come with some of the same issues over and over again. And I think, wow, like everyone's got a little of this going on in some way, shape or form or in some different shape than mine, but equally as, you know, interesting to navigate. (laughs) And so we're not alone. And then finally, um, Neff's view on mindfulness is this idea of taking a balanced approach to negative emotions. So don't ignore them and don't um, over-exaggerate them. So it's this idea of like staying in a healthy place. So if you're feeling some kind of pain or, oh, I failed, like, okay, well, yeah, that's uncomfortable. I failed. mm didn't want to do that, but also not becoming like, Oh, I failed. I'm a failure. It's the worst thing ever. Right. And become like a story fondler or a 13 year old or a 13 year old. (laughs) So, um, so what are some things uh, that you can do to help yourself moving forward and cultivating this, um, self compassion? So, um,